started a new company, Dark. So Dark is our attempt to take all of the accidental complexity out of building software. We started with the premise that building software is just way, way, way too hard. It's launched Darkly's four-year anniversary. When I started doing the podcast with you, I think we were four people. You were four people, and you're 30 people? 50. Hi, I'm Paul Berger, founder of CircleCI. I'm Edith Harba, CEO and co-founder at LaunchDarkly. And you're listening to To Be Continuous, a podcast about continuous delivery and software development. You can get in touch with us anytime at our Twitter handle, at ContinuousCast. The show is brought to you by HeavyBit. To learn more, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders. Hey, Paul. Hello. I heard you started Dark. Yes, I started a new company. Dark, darklang.com. Yeah, tell me about it. So Dark is our attempt to take all of the accidental complexity out of building software. So we, we started with the premise that building software is just way, way, way too hard. Yeah. And we looked at all the various different points of, of that complexity. And, and the major four that we came up with were, was infrastructure complexity, like things like Kubernetes and Docker and AWS and, and that kind of thing, API complexity, deployment complexity, and then code complexity itself. So that's that's everything from like you know syntax errors to to using Git to you know, fixing your editor or all that sort of thing, and we speculate that that we can remove all of those areas of all of them all of them all those areas of complexity. I, I, I thought you were about to say, and then we decided to focus on one. So I mean, the, the, there's certainly a question about the the order of of which we validate things and and how we cut scope to get to market, but those are the four areas of complexity that 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 we're looking at. The end result or the or the the initial uh, end result. Is uh, a combined, a sort of a holistic editor, programming language, and platform as a service, or or hosting and an infrastructure compiler, perhaps. I have so many questions, but uh, how did you come up with an MVP given such a broad space? So the the, the initial MVP uh, I made I made about eighteen months ago, and it took about two weeks. Yeah. So that that was uh, a thing that I you know had a I had a bunch of ideas. And what I needed to prove to myself was, is it possible to write software in this in in this sort of metaphor? Mm. So so I built something that like roughly I, I built a blog with it, and it wasn't it wasn't a very advanced blog. It was just like you know, can, can I? Is there a metaphor with which I can store data and do computation on it in a in a way that's like zero deployment and and very fast to to edit? And it was buggy and and all that sort of thing, but it was like uh, it was fine. And it proved that that I could do it, and it took. I mean, it took two weeks, but really, it was like eight hundred lines of Python, eight hundred lines of Elm. It was not very complicated. Why? Why do you switch from Clojure? Uh, why do I switch from Clojure? So I, I think. In Elm and Python. So we still we're still using Elm today. We switched from Python, and uh, like the original MVP was in Python, but I, I found I struggled to to grow it, mm. and that very much for the same reason as as we switched from from Python, which is that. I, I kind of believe in static types, mm. so so we, we're we're building it in OCaml, and I, I think that the the result is not going to be that it's all done in OCaml. But when you're a very early stage in a, in a startup and you don't know what you're building, you often have to completely change everything often, and the overhead of of writing tests to prove that your code works mm. um, is is very high, and having that that layer of like compiler checked or type system checked. Uh, thing is is incredibly valuable. You felt it gave you guardrails. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I felt I felt a lot of security, and and we we experienced a thing, and, and I've been coding for a while now, 
I kind of know that if I fit within the guardrails, my program is probably going to work in uh, the first time in most cases. So the the team started off with you and a prototype, but how how big is the team now? And where, where's the, so the... we're we're four people now. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, big cha- big changes, and we're interviewing heavily for for five, six, and seven. So we're we're looking for a designer, front end engineer, and an infrastructure engineer. But yeah, we're four we're four people now. So uh, there's my co-founder Ellen. There's our engineer Ian, who has listened to every single podcast <laughs> we have ever made. Which is a real struggle because he knows the ends of all my stories. <laughs> does Does he ever tell you like the story? Oh yeah, end? yeah. No, it's like, it's like. Do you remember like you said on this podcast? I was like, nope, don't remember that at all. <laughs> I started to try to tell a story to somebody at work, and they're like, "Oh, we heard this already." Yeah. <laughs> so that that's every story I tell at work now. It's very irritating. And and Steffi, who who does operations. So it's funny. I met Ian, and I'm giving him a shout out because he's such mm-hmm. a charming, nice guy. He's he's lovely. Um, it's funny because he's from Ireland too. We we went to the same university, but ten years apart. Yeah, and it's funny. Also, now that you outed, mm-hmm. he, he said he felt like he was a different generation than you. I think that's that's probably true. The generation that uh, that I grew up in was 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 the one in which Ireland had no money. Yeah, and you know, sort of the the Celtic Tiger came along. Uh, it's what we called the the period of prosperity from between the early nineties and two thousand eight, and and yeah, you're coming you're coming ten years later. You're you're much. You know, you grew up through a lot of that prosperity instead of sort of seeing it as an adult. It's funny because that's exactly the way he described it. So I don't know if that's the way you described it to him or that you both. No, no, actually, I, I'd never heard him say that. So yeah. that's yeah. He used the phrase "Celtic Tiger" that he he was the generation that grew up with more prosperity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you how do you feel like that's shaped your outlook in starting a company to have grown up? Oh, that's very interesting. I think I think one of the things that matters to me, and I I think I think I'm a very much a millennial in in this sense. Is that I don't so much care about money. Mm. Uh, I mean, I care about not having none. You know, I think millennials are, are a generation that are defined by like a need of experience over status, mm-hmm. uh, or people who spend their money on experiences uh, versus versus status. But I would say Ian is more millennial generation than you. Uh, yeah. So I, I think uh, I think I'm I'm definitely within the uh, the cultural definition. I'm also within the technical definition. It's apparently kids who started in 1980. Uh, 1980 to 1995 or something along those lines. Who, who were born then? Who were born oh, okay. in, in, in those years. But yeah, certainly culturally, I'm, I'm a millennial. Uh, and I, I believe in, in... I mean, th- this is why I'm doing another startup, right? I, I, want, to, I want to build a thing I need to, I, that I need to exist in the world. Yeah, you just felt this need to create again. Yeah, so after, after I left Circle C, I, I spent about 18 months doing nothing. Well, you podcasted uh, with me occasionally. We we, we we podcasted. That was that was basically the only the only technical thing. Occasionally talking to to founders and trying to help them, but mostly you know I went to Costa Rica. I did a road trip. I moved to New York. Uh, I did the Recurse Center, which is which is really great. And I, I thought about what am I doing next? Mm. And every every idea that I had, everything I wanted to build, I really was lamenting the fact that I would have to go and. Use all these subpar tools, mm. uh, and I would have to go and learn, say Kubernetes mm. or learn AWS, and I'd have to. You know, I, I I felt I couldn't build a small company because the the amount of infrastructure and overhead you need to to have your code work is is too high for for one person. Yeah, I mean, there's there's echoes here of that that post you wrote called "This is the Future." Uh, yes, yes, very, very, very much so, and I included that in in all material that was discussing dark in the early days. But yeah, there's way too much stuff, and there's way too much stuff you need to know, and and 
infrastructure, which was the the subject of it's the future, is, is is crazy, but the the front end is 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 crazy as well. Yeah, and there's just an explosion of of tooling, and everything makes incremental improvements, and all of that incremental improvement overall increases complexity rather than decreasing it. Yeah, I remember when you could just hack together an HTML page in a backend. Yep. And that that was it. But people's expectations are, are much higher. There's a lot more people on the internet now. The speed at which you need to move is is incredibly high. And that combined with with the expectations and needing to work in a team to, to be able to do that, those are you know a couple of the major factors of of the complexity. Yeah. So how um this is so fascinating. So like, there's so many different mm-hmm. directions. But um, what's it like to work with somebody ten years younger? I don't know. I feel, I feel like I've I've been working with with people uh, much younger than me, and and also older than me, and also the same age as me. Um, at at Circle, we we had a uh, you know certainly a lot of us at the start were were sort of in the early family age, I would say, like late twenties, early thirties. But we you know we, we hired some you know incredibly smart twenty year olds, some very experienced people in their in their forties and fifties. I think I think actually it's. There, there isn't a fundamental difference between between people of of those various ages. We did once interview a sixteen year old, and I think that was that was too far. But I think once once you have sort of valued team members and you you listen to what they have to say, you don't necessarily need to do what they say. But you know, good ideas come from from anywhere. And often, I could not predict where the good points were going to come from. Yeah, I mean, so this is your second time founding a startup. Mm-hmm. How this is my fourth time. Oh my gosh, startup. I forget. <laughs> yeah, no, the, no, 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 because we talked about these other ones. All right, so this is yeah. your fourth time. Fourth time, yeah. How are you trying to be more intentional about culture and hiring? So, I think one of the big things is is that we're pushing a lot on on being an, an inclusive uh, company. I think that's that's very different from from what we did before. I was actually I, I was on um, Charity Majors and and Rachel Chalmers had a have a podcast on on the Heavy Bit Network. That's I don't know if it's out or coming you out. You did that already. Yeah, I did. A, did an episode on that. Well, you're not recording with me, and you're recording with them. Ah, uh, I'm. I'm so sorry, Edith. Feel. I feel like. Uh, like the, there's some sort of infidelity uh, go, go, <laughs> go, go, saying, going on here. You've been saying you're too busy to tape, and like, well, in full disclosure, I was on Glenn's podcast. Oh, nice, nice. So I talked on on their podcast a lot, a lot about this, but you know that that, that was not a thing I saw the value of in in 2011, and and have since learned how wrong I was. And I think it's important to really look at that in in hiring, which is which is something that that we're doing at the moment, uh, or or have been doing since you know since, since the company started. I think one of the other major things is is that just we we wrote down a set of values. Yeah. From the very start, when when me and Ellen started working together, we worked out what our roles were. We worked out um, what our values were, and it, it's not that that they were set in stone. Like we redid our values when when we had employees. Yeah. But what was different about it is that we wanted to make sure that we were on the same page and that we were building the same company. Yeah. And I, th- I think the I think it was like Eisenhower or someone said, uh, "Plans are worthless, but planning is everything." Mm-hmm. And with with Circle, we you know we we just got down to it. We we knew we had something to build, and we we never we never discussed or thought about values or process or, mm. or any of that sort of thing. And I'm finding that things are going a lot more. I wouldn't necessarily say smoothly, but everything feels smoother uh, as a result of just sort of like having having a plan, knowing what we're doing it, even even if we change that relatively frequently. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought something was really interesting is um, you told me that you're already going to founders therapy. 
Mm. Oh yeah, no, it, I'll, I'll be right on the air about that. I, uh, I, I think everyone should go to therapy, but I think all all co-founders should go to therapy. Like therapy is the best. So, so we started working with a company called Inner Space. Oh, uh, you, Joe Greenstein's. Uh, so we, we we work with Samira. Oh, okay. But Inner Space is great, and they do things like tea groups for. Um, for uh, we 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 haven't done the tea groups together, I but did they, my they, first they run tea group. How how was it? Well, you finish your story, and then I'll okay, talk. okay. So I felt that from from the very start when I was when I was talking to co-founders, I was like, you know, I think I think co-founder therapy is really important, and that you know we we haven't worked together, we're going to need to do this, and 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 Ellen was was you know, on board, and we we did it from you know from from the second we raised money, first thing we did was was we went to therapy and I, I think it's one of those things that you have to do from when you're not having problems it's you know to, to, to make the the marriage analogy uh, if you go to therapy when you're when you're having problems like it's you're unlikely to save it but you if you start going when everything's good and you you learn to communicate and you learn to you know raise issues and you know, through like you know nonviolent language and, and and that kind of thing and then you can be you know much better partners than if you don't what's your cadence for the therapy uh, it's about every two weeks and you and you feel like it's helped your yeah. Uh, I, I I love it. Um, yeah. Like the, I mean, it's the same with with regular therapy. But I always feel great coming out of it, and I feel like you know problems have gotten you know taken care of, and it, it's it's almost like uh, uh like the feeling you get when when you have you know tickets in in your Trello and you move it into the <laughs> into the done column. <laughs> do you, do you feel yourself looking forward to it, or is it more like a, like the dentist? No, I I feel myself looking looking forward to it a lot. And I say that because my dentist is always super excited to see me. I'm just mm-hmm. like, dude, I am not super excited oh, to see I, you at all. I love my dentist. You love your dentist? Yeah. So I have a new dentist who like, she turns it around in 20 minutes. Like I walk in the building, and I walk out of the building 20 minutes later. And your therapy is like that too? No, no. Th- <laughs> therapy <laughs> takes a full hour. And I mean, <laughs> therapy is uh, co-founder therapy, especially is very expensive. Yeah. Um. So you you definitely want to be getting your your money's worth. Expensive, like what's a ballpark? Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say exactly, yeah. but like general uh, management or executive coaching, it's the same sort of price, and it, you know, it, I think that tends to be in like the five hundred narrow range. Jeez. Yeah. Do, do, do you have a do you have a coach? So I do not have a coach. I did do my first T group. Mm, okay. So I got accepted to this program called Leaders in Tech, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting. Okay. It's what, um, what's that? It's twenty four people. It's a year-long program where it's basically uh, peer group slash coaching to be better people, mm-hmm. better executives. Yeah. So you have to have, I think, done at least a Series B or have a certain valuation. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said a lot of people applied, and they filtered the people they thought would get the most out of it. Nice, nice. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I never done a T group before. Uh, I, I hear it. It like, bears all the emotions for everyone. Well, the thing is, I didn't know what a T group was. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't either. So like, I just went to this thing expecting it was like your typical <laughs> like, CEO thing, where yeah. like, you know, we're gonna be talk. There's gonna be some canapes. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, like the tissues were there. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like me, the hard charging CEO, meets meets a. Uh, the group, mm-hmm. and it was. But you, you, you had fun. The joke about me was, they're like, you came in charging, ready to like moderate the therapy group and therapy everybody to death, and then like mm-hmm. once you calmed down, like it was great. Nice, nice. 
But at the beginning, I was like, okay, you're done talking with your feelings. Who's going to talk about their feelings next? Because <laughs> 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 I, I moderate a lot of dinners. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I don't need to moderate this. We could, yeah, just, yeah. We could just... We can we can talk. We could we could talk without yeah. me. It was fun. So uh, so it sounds like you're being more intentional. Mm-hmm. A lot a lot more intentional about you know how you know, how I work together with my co-founder, how the company is set up. We were also much more intentional about how we raise money. Yeah. In in circle, you know, raised raised fifty k. A year later, raised raised a million and a half. A year later, raised six million. And each of those were were very much on the you know the the, the angel and then the the seed round and then the the series A based on on certain traction and and whatever. And we sat down at the start with with Dark and we we made a plan and mm-hmm. said what what can we do? What is the right way to do this? And we we came up with you know the the raise five hundred k plan the the raise two million plan the raise three and a half million plan the raise five million plan the raise ten million plan, and then we looked at you know what can we what can we actually achieve uh, on the basis of of where we are what do we need to get to the next stage, and we we narrowed it down basically to two plans the the five hundred k plan and the and the three and a half million plan. More than that was was too much money and would have been too dilutive. The the two million plan, which which I think initially seemed the the most natural, we we worried like when we drew out a timeline of where we would be or the you know team we could hire where where we would be, uh, we worried that that left us in in sort of no man's land. Yeah, it, it gave us it would give us eighteen months, and obviously if you have eighteen months, you need to start fundraising yeah. six months beforehand. If, so that means not, we'd have not. a year. And that means we'd have to basically double down on like the best idea within a year, yeah. and then try to raise off that. And I think that, w- with the benefit of hindsight, like that would have been possible. But it looked like the, the riskiest plan. So, so we looked at the three and a half million, and then we looked at the uh, at the five hundred k. And the risk with the three and a half million is that it's a lot of money, mm. and to have a good dilution, the implied valuation is is quite high mm-hmm. relative to how people were doing seeds. Uh, you know, people were looking at. You know, twelve million mm. post money in in most things, and and that's that's very diluted to raise three and a half million in mm. in that in that situation. Mm. So essentially, we we thought it was the best plan, and we tested the market out, mm. and the market was receptive. Mm. And so, and not all of the market was receptive. <laughs> so we definitely talked to a lot of people who were uh, who were not as receptive, and we tried a couple of different plans before we hit our stride. But in in uh, I, I think in, in in two months, we talked to one hundred and sixty investors. Wow, and I think that's the major difference between you know being between the first time and and the second time. Like the the first time, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know who to talk to, mm-hmm. you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know a, 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 every oh every God, lead yeah. seems like it's going to win. Uh. We, we you know we we could afford to be selective. <laughs> you know, the, the, there's a couple of people that we talked to in particular. One, one, one thing I saw is like you know VCs who wouldn't look Ellen in the eye, oh. and. Like you know, they would ask a question. Ellen would be the right person to answer the question. She'd answer the question, and then they would ask the follow-up question, still looking at me, asking me instead of. Uh, asking. That was, it was very frustrating, and doubly so for her. We had the ability to be a little more uh, selective, but at the same time, when you're you know, it takes a lot of checks to get to to, to three and a half million. In full disclosure, I am a very tiny, tiny, tiny investor. You, in dark. you are our favorite investor in dark. <laughs> I'm your favorite uh, that's doing a podcast with you right now. So, I mean, um, one, one thing we, we did was we made room for small investors. I think the smallest check we took was a thousand, and 
like at CircleCI, I, you know, the smallest we took was like 10k, and and that was that was a stretch. Uh, and we mostly took 25, but we made a lot of room for like you know one, five, 10k investments in in Dark, because one we 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 had a method of of handling the cap table, yep. um, which is the the angelist syndicate. So we we funneled all the investors through or all the angel investors through an angelist syndicate, which made cap table management significantly easier. And then we needed that social proof from from people like yourself and you know John invested John uh, John Kudamal my co-founder John Kudamal uh, Russ from Rainforest invested Andrew from PagerDuty invested Greg from OpenAI uh, invested there's there's a lot of people in in the space I feel bad now that 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 I mentioned five when when there's in fact twenty five like twenty five names that you would know yeah. uh, and so we we put them we put them on a slide. When we were fundraising, it's like, and these are the angels who are investing, and they're like, oh, I know like six of them. And it's like you should talk to them. Yeah, it's funny. So I'm I'm definitely in the low side of those numbers you just named, but um, I did get pinged by people. Mm, right, of course. They'd be yeah. like, we saw your name on a slide. Is this true? And I would be yeah, like, yeah. You know, of course, I believe in Ellen and Paul. Yeah, yeah. God, could you imagine if we put names on the slide that weren't true? People do that sometimes. Oh. Like, um, so now launch darkly. People put our logo on slides sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's somebody we use once we don't use it anymore. I'm just like, um, yeah, that's that's a risk. Yeah, I'm like, no, we don't use them anymore. Here's why. Yeah, and, then, and I'm like, you should really take us off your slides. Yeah, just, this is this is not a good idea. Yeah, but yeah, so 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 that sort of that sort of social proof was absolutely necessary, and we eventually put put together three and a half million over, oh, I guess, a month and a half. I would say maybe maybe a month from from sort of hitting, you know. You do a couple of experiments when you're fundraising. It's mm. like, you know, are we going to go? Is it going to be Series A investors? Are, are they going to mm-hmm. write these checks? And, and we we tried a couple of different venues, and and then we we sort of hit our stride with with uh, angels and and uh, funds writing writing two fifty k checks. So for those listening at home, do you think this is something that worked for you because of you know you were fourth time founder? Uh, Ellen had come out of some prestigious startups. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. We we couldn't like, have done it without the now. I mean, I see people do this, and I don't know how they do it. Yeah, like the certainly, we we don't like to tell a bigger story than we are. Like we you know we we like a good narrative, but we're not people to to hype and to pitch and to to you know pit investors off against each other to invest in the new hot round or or or, or that sort of thing. Um, but you definitely see that sort of thing go on a bit. And we also weren't coming out of like Y Combinator, which I think is a thing that that often justifies those those valuations. But I think as well, it's it's not something a that we could have put together without without sort of the a little bit of prestige behind it. Yeah, I mean, um, I I still mentor when I go to Collision and Web Summit. Mm-hmm. It was really cool this year. It was a bunch of uh, South American startups. Oh, lovely! So from like Chile, Guatemala, Brazil, which were That's so cool. cool yeah, yeah. Like uh, everything I told them was with this huge grain of salt. I was like, I know the American market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if this will work in your yeah. Home I mean, I, I tell them I'll move to San Francisco, <laughs> but I, I don't think so. Well, I guess you it did happen for you. I mean, you were an Irish person. You moved yeah, here, and you that's, that's you what raised. I did. Well, cool. Uh, so you raised the money. You set up your culture. How did you mm-hmm. you you started doing something very interesting, which was you had a what do you call it like a developer in residence or a hacker in residence? Uh, we called it an EIR, and it's it's unclear whether we meant engineer in residence or entrepreneur in residence, but it was in, it was intended to be a bit of both. So Dark is a programming language, and it's an editor, and it's hosting, and we're we're doing we're doing all those things. And as a result, you know, it's it's very very broad. Uh, but 
you need market validation, mm-hmm. and you need market validation as soon as possible. So instead of trying to launch it or something like that, because it is not polished, mm. it is enough to prove out certain concepts and certain ideas that we had, but we didn't know how to prioritize all the the thousands of, of you know, polished things that we could that we could put on it. So so we had this idea. Why don't we get someone to build their actual startup in dark? Cool. And because we didn't want to like, we, we we wanted someone to really be doing this. Um, we didn't we didn't want to you know find fifty people and and try to you know try to have them stick with it. And 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 what we ended up doing is is saying we'll pay you. Hmm. So we're we're paying our our ER three grand a month. Wow. The CAC is is super high. <laughs> um, but who knows what the payback period will be. <laughs> We we just posted we post on Hacker News we posted on on Twitter you know a couple a couple of people like retweeted and that sort of thing because it looked really interesting and in the end we had uh, we had about thirty applicants and some of them were doing things that we weren't ready for like they needed more scale more real time more video that, that that kind of thing but we finally came across the, this guy and I I don't want to say his name because I don't have permission but he's he's building a small startup bootstrapped has a bunch of customers is building a new product in that. And didn't want to really maintain it, uh, and and that's the promise of Dark that that you, you know, the amount of work that you have to do to write and to maintain uh, a backend application is low, and he's he's helping us prioritize and and tell us where the bugs are that really bother him, and we're, you know we, he he comes to our office every day, and he tells us what's wrong, and we we triage uh, in the morning and we we retriage like high level priorities every week. At the moment, it's it's too slow, so we're we're scaling some things and and optimizing some things that that we hadn't optimized until this point. Do you feel that you are in danger then of just becoming a consulting shop if it's just a one person? I don't think so. At, at Dark, we do we do retros every Friday, so the the company sits down together and talks about you know what isn't going mm-hmm. too well, what what what's going wrong, what's going right as well. But one of the more recent ones is. We feel like we've been a couple of weeks in in the you know fixing bugs. You know, what are we doing with the long term vision? How are we making sure that we follow the long term vision? And as a result, we we had to sit down and we we you know, laid out what are all the things that are missing from long term vision that that we aren't doing at the moment to so prioritize them and and try to sort of set in motion a make sure that we get to market ASAP, but also don't end up as a as a consulting shop for for small people. Uh, make sure that we I mean, we would be the worst consulting shop because we're hmm. paying them. <laughs> well, it sounds like things are going well. Um, I have to ask, why the name Dark? I, I wish I had a better story about this. Um, does it involve a lunch darkly T-shirt? It does. It, you know, we talked about this, and I, I remember. I remember I said to you that it's called Dark, and and you had this you had this look on your face, and it hadn't occurred to me uh, <laughs> that uh, it's like I I don't know why you're looking at me like that, and I I, I honestly didn't. I think. That the name came from the fact that we were making editors, and I always use the dark theme oh. in, in editors. But what I was looking to do at the time, I was I was putting together a proposal to to send to a bunch of people to say like, does this look interesting? Uh, and so I wanted uh, something which sounded which sounded like if you saw the email with this subject, that you would open it. And so it was called it Project Dark, and that sounds like a, like a doc that you want to read. I was basically spitballing for names until until I came up until I hit that satisfied that criteria, <laughs> uh, and and dark was uh, one of the first names I came up with. Cool. We liked it, uh, and now we're we're darklang.com, and the company is uh, is dark incorporated. Also, you're about a year into it now. 
About a year, yeah. So uh, Elle and I just just celebrated our our one year anniversary uh, of being co-founders, or was it of meeting? One of those two. Aww. But we're we're uh, I think we started fundraising about a year ago. It's funny because um, it's a launch Sharkly's four year anniversary. Oh wow! Congratulations. And when we started doing the podcast, when when I started doing the podcast with you, I think we were four people. You were four people, and you're thirty people. Fifty. Fifty people. Holy shit, Edith. Yeah, we were That's four. Huge. We were four people sitting outside. Yeah, I and and funnily enough, now that uh, like when we started, my my company was like forty five. Yeah. And now my company is uh, four. <laughs> so maybe in a couple more years, I'll be I'll be I'll be talking about. <laughs> You'll my... be starting your next one. And, <laughs> no, yeah. I like lunch Sharkly, but yeah. Any surprises or takeaways you want to share? Yeah. So there's one uh, one one key surprise that. Uh, that was really interesting. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll go with two. One is is that we've learned that small UI improvements have really outsized impact when you're having a product that is like the core of someone's workflow. Ah, you make a very small, seemingly insignificant change, and and it just has much much bigger impact than like the effort that goes into it. Mm. Uh, so that's one. And I think the the other one is validating. Like often, you want to validate with customers, and we do a lot of user testing and validating with customers. But when you're building a big thing, like you can't just give the whole thing to a customer, mm-hmm. and so you you have to rethink a lot about about how you validate. And we, we we've been doing weekly planning meetings, and in that we we have a hypothesis spreadsheet. And it's like, what are the hypotheses that we're validating this week, uh, or invalidating this week? And we hypothesize that this is you know. This particular feature is going to solve a lot of problems, uh, or just that we want to solve these problems, and we're going to try a bunch of things to to solve it and and see which one sticks. And it's it's a really interesting validation problem, and I think it's one where most people wouldn't choose to do because like it's as a result of of having a a very large surface area to build, mm-hmm. which has its its pros and its cons, but it's it's what we're doing. Well, that's so cool, Paul. Yeah, thanks, Edith. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you you seem really excited about it. Yeah, no, I I I, I love it. I'm, I'm I'm super excited, and thanks so much for for investing in it. You're you're literally like bouncing with excitement. I am. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it, it's it's great. Yeah. Um, we're we're hiring, by the way. You should uh, <laughs> check out darklang.com/careers. <laughs> and uh, and then you get to work with Paul, and um, you perhaps will hear new stories before they're on the podcast. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of To Be Continuous, brought to you by Heavybit and hosted by me, Paul Bigger of Circle CI, and Edith Harbaugh of Launch Darkly. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. While you're there, check out their library home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders.